Welcome to Are You Real Linked? A journey together toward a deeper, more authentic connection with God and with others. Through teachings of prayer and faith, our common stories of business, relationships, and personal growth will give you the direction you need to truly feel linked with the lost, hopeless, and hurting to help restore your community. Now please welcome your host, Christy Austin. Hey y'all, this is Christy Austin, and I am so glad that you decided to join us today on Are You Real Linked? Where we are connecting to deeper faith. How are we doing that? Well, we're getting linked with the Holy Spirit and getting linked with each other, really all across our nation and really even moving globally with our guest today, who I can't wait to introduce you to. I do want to remind you today to check out areyoureal.org. We have many podcasts that come out every week by experts and really just professionals in their area of expertise. And I'm often amazed as I listen to each podcast, Are You Real Fit or Are You Real Success? I'm often amazed just to get this avalanche of information and knowledge from these wise, amazing people. And so I know you'll want to go check that out. So if you're part of the Are You Real Linked audience, if you're not part yet, we welcome you and invite you to go on this journey with us. We don't claim, of course, to know exactly where we're headed, but we're headed out to be city takers. And what does that look like? What does a city taker look like? Well, a city taker is one who is taking their city through the art of giving. And that looks many different ways. We've been walking through Luke 10 as Jesus sent out those 70 apostles into the city and really just looking at what does that look like in 2018? What does it look like to be a city taker today? And so I'm excited to welcome our very first guest, who is strategically positioned actually outside America in Guatemala. And I want to welcome Caitlin Lee to the show today. Hey, Caitlin, how are you today? Great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, we are so excited to get to hear your journey and get to hear where God has you strategically positioned And so welcome to the show. I know you happen to be back in the U.S. for a few weeks of rest. And also, I'm sure it's not all rest. I'm sure there's a lot of work involved in that. But we feel so honored that you would take some time just to hang out with us today. So we want to ask you, of course, city taking looks a little bit different for everyone. What does city taking look like for you in the ministry that you're in in Guatemala? Absolutely. So the ministry that I'm working for right now is called Living Water Adopt a Child. And we actually are taking nine different cities at once, which sounds really crazy, but we link arms with a lot of different people to make it happen and to make it happen effectively. So our main base is in a city called Antigua, Guatemala, and the vision for our ministry is to reach the communities through feeding the children. So we have these buildings where we feed the children twice a week, and any child can come uh, age 3 to 18. 
And we really try to grab them and disciple them in that. We have different Bible study groups and things like that after they eat their meal that they can go to. It's voluntary. They're not forced to go. They can get a meal um, without going to the Bible study. We don't ever want to make them feel like they're forced to do that. Um, And so we have really different strategic locations. So like we have one feeding program that's in Guatemala City in a place called Zone 5. And that's where a lot of gang violence is and the culture is really harsh there. But then we have, it's almost like a completely different culture where we go up into the mountains into a place called Quiche. And there they speak a completely different language. So the majority of Guatemala speak Spanish, but up in the mountains, they speak a lot of different Mayan languages. And so we also have about six programs up there in the mountains where we're feeding children and also planting churches within those feeding programs. So our goal is to reach and disciple the children by providing them food and discipleship and then planning churches to then reach their families to hopefully get the entire family involved. So we're really focused on discipling and just loving on as many kids and their families as we can. That's amazing. So do you, in the course of, I don't know, a week or a month, do you go from city to city or do you pretty much stay put in one? Um, It depends on what I'm doing that week because I'm an intern. I get to do a lot of different stuff. (laughs) Intern slash slave slash servant slash. (laughs) Part of our... um, ministry is a sponsorship program. And so people in the States or even in Canada, or we have people in Germany that get to sponsor children that are in our program. And so they do it for $30 a week. But the purpose of that is not necessarily the money. It's really focused on that uh, discipleship between one person in the world and one child. And so part of my job is I get to uh, help translate and work on those letters. So when I'm not working on the letters that are corresponding between a sponsor and their child, I do when we have uh, short-term teams come in, what we do is we like to show them uh, the different uh, programs that we have. So like we'll take them to zone five and let them see the culture there and they'll serve food and see the discipleship classes that we have. And then we take them all the way up into Quiche, which is about a five-hour drive, and they'll get to serve there and see how the ministry is so that our hope is they'll go back to the States and really um, talk about the ministry and get the word out and get support and uh, more sponsors and prayers, lots of prayers. So I get to do a a lot of different things. (laughs) Wow, okay. So how was it with the language barrier? Are you feeling fluent with the language? Was that a learning curve for you? I would say that it's, I don't think I will ever be fluent. (laughs) I think I'm not even fluent in English sometimes. But I, part of my training was the first six months, more or less, uh, I was in language school. And so I was one-on-one with a teacher that only spoke Spanish. And so day one, I sat down and there it was, Spanish. And the only thing I knew moving over there was hola, how to say hello. And so I had a lot of learning to do. Um, But just when you're immersed in the culture and you're doing one-on-one lessons like that for four hours every day, you really start to pick up 
really easily. And especially when everyone that you're working with speaks Spanish. So if you want to have community and you want to make some friends and not feel very lonely, then you really have to get yourself out there and start using the language. So I would say I'm, I can communicate and I can have conversations and I think I can, um, understand a whole sermon in Spanish, depending on who's speaking. <laughs> people that are speaking that I'm really good at understanding and others that might talk faster and things like that. But the language is something that I'm always working on. So interesting. That's like sink or swim. You just got pushed off into the deep end of the pool, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I guess, I guess you do learn very quickly when survival depends on it. Uh, how I'm curious, what is a what does a typical day look like for you, or does that even vary every day? It does vary, which is part of why I love doing what I do because I'm the kind of person that I just love to experience different things and to be involved in a lot of different things. And uh, I don't want to hold myself down by just saying I have to do this one eight to nine thing every day. You know, just so. A typical day for me would be, let's see, I wake up at about seven and then I go over to our offices in Antigua where we have all, all um, bilingual secretaries. And so they speak both Spanish and English, but I will say they prefer to use their Spanish because I will use my English sometimes and they will go straight to Spanish. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll be over there in the office for a couple of hours and I'm usually helping either translating the letters from Spanish into English, or I have the ones that are already translated and I go through and correct the grammar mistakes and things like that before they're sent out to the sponsors. But it's a little bit different. If we have a short-term team that comes in, I'm usually with that team for the whole week. And so what that looks like is we go and we pick them up at the airport, we bring them back to our compound, we tell them all about the ministry, and then the whole next week is just focused on ministry. We're taking them to the feeding programs where they're serving, and then my favorite part about short-term teams is we take them on what we call home visits. So we'll take a few people from each team, and we'll usually separate out into three or four groups, and we'll go into the homes of people that have children in our feeding programs. And so we'll sit down in their little adobe house, and we will ask them questions, we'll ask them about them, kind of building that relationship, asking them what their needs are, uh, giving gifts, giving uh, rice and beans to the families, really building that, that relational aspect of the ministry and trying to get to know people more. And so I would say that's my favorite part because I'm super relational and I love to meet people. And it's really cool to see the people that come on short-term teams from the States interacting with this family that doesn't speak Spanish. They speak a Mayan language. So we have to translate from English into Spanish and then Spanish into Quiche and then all the way back again. So wow. it takes a lot of time, but it's really cool just to see how um, just walls kind of fall down and you see people really just being relational and really trying to share the love of God just through that time. So it's really cool. That's, that's so amazing. And, you know, of course, our show is called Are You Real Linked? And the, our whole heart is really to bring unity to the church because we are operating in one spirit and one voice. And what I love about what you're saying is 
even across language, you know, you can sit in that little adobe together and you can connect and feel the linking through the Holy Spirit, linking you together. And uh, one of my favorite stories, we lived in Hereford, Texas, which was about 70% Hispanic, felt like a mission field in some ways. And uh, I would go to the Hispanic church services often, and I did not understand, I don't speak Spanish, so I didn't understand anything, but through worship and even through the preaching, I would just sit there and I would feel the presence of God so strongly. It was so amazing and so, man, I would love to just even witness that. That's such a beautiful thing. Yes, it's very interesting. And it's. It, I'm really glad that I get to be a part of that. That's amazing. So I want to ask you, how did you feel called into this? How long have you been doing this, first of all? And how did you feel God calling you into such a unique and specific ministry? Yeah, so I will be finishing up my first full year serving at the end of this June. And so I grew up um, in a family that was very centered around church. My dad has been a pastor ever since I was born my whole life. And I have two brothers that are pastors and one that's a worship leader. And so have just always been in the church and have always been around that. When I went to college, I realized that I needed to own my faith as my own and to not be to still be attached to my family, but to really figure out what it is that I believe myself. And so I went to college and I started kind of going to different churches, trying to figure out where it was that I wanted to serve and things like that. Um, And as I was getting my degree in special education, I was doing different internships and realized I'm not really sure that teaching is necessarily the, the life track that I'm wanting to take right now. I love kids, but I'm not sure that teaching in a public school fits my personality and fits the desires that God had placed in my heart. And so I remember there were just so many things that happened to me through college that were really difficult. Me just trying to figure out my identity and who I am and the things that I believe. And I remember I was home one summer at my parents' house and I was sitting on my back porch And I opened my Bible and I just remember the scripture popping out at me. And it just so happened to be scripture that I had also had spoken over me when I had gone on my first trip to Guatemala. So I went on my first trip overseas when I was a sophomore in high school. And so I was now a sophomore in college, which is funny that the years were very similar. And so this scripture had popped out at me just that, it said, these are my people. And it was the Lord speaking. And I remember him speaking that so heavily over me when I was in Guatemala, standing on top of this program on the roof, looking out over the city, looking out over all of the houses. And I remember him saying that to me as a young girl in high school. And so I kind of put it in the back of my mind and did the college thing and whatever. And when I was searching and trying to figure out what it is that I'm called to and uh, what it is that that is my next step after college and feeling like I don't have anything that I'm passionate about right now. And I want something to be passionate about and just opening to that scripture and being reminded of that trip to Guatemala. And so that was the place where I really surrendered my life to the Lord. And I said, um, I know what it is that I believe. 
I know that God is real and he's alive and that he speaks to us. And so I believe that he is speaking to me now. And so, Lord, if you want me to go to Guatemala, if you want me to serve there for however long, I'll do it. And so the next two years in college, I struggled between, I really want to be on the mission field. I want to drop out of school and go right now. And my parents letting me know that I need to get my degree and they won't support me unless I finish my degree. So I listened to their wisdom and I finished my degree. But then as soon as I graduated, I contacted Steve and Anna and I said, okay, if you guys have a position open and you want me to come, I'm ready. I'm ready to come. And so Steve and Anna, the director, said we would love to have you. And two months later, I graduated in May, and I left right after that and moved over there, packed up a bag and moved. So that's how I got there. Wow, that's amazing. What a whirlwind. You just jumped right in. I love it. That's so cool. All right, so so tell me, what do you feel like is the hardest part of what you do, what has been the most difficult for you? Um, I would say the hardest part would probably be the language barrier because while I have been able to learn the language really quickly and am able to build relationships with that, my relationships and my ministry can only go as far as my language skills will let me. So if I'm building a relationship For example, there's a girl named Magnolia. She's in her early 20s, close to my age, uh, very sweet, has always been involved in the church. So she's very similar to me. So one of my goals has been to really build a strong relationship with her and to try and connect with her. So there have been times where I found myself frustrated because I'm sitting and talking with her and we're talking about her life and how she grew up. And there are things that I'm wanting to say and ways that I'm wanting to encourage her. And I realize... I don't know that word in Spanish, you know, so that <laughs> has been the most frustrating, also very challenging um, aspect of it. But at the same time, it's helping me really learn how to minister with my actions and and how to push through barriers like that. So, yeah. So what are some of the things that you do when you stumble across a block in communication with language and you can't serve, you know, through speaking and through connecting? How have you found some practical things to do to connect with others? Right. Well, typically, if I can't figure out a word, I try and make a picture around the word. I'll try to describe the word. But if the language barrier is just completely, it's just there and I can't communicate at all and I can't get my point across, I usually will just try and, I mean, I communicate in the best way that I can. But then what I like to do is I'll I'll go back with myself and I will figure out, okay, how can I communicate with this, with this, with them? And then I'll go back to that person and then I'll communicate it. So it really is just a, having to be patient with yourself and saying, Hey, I don't know how to communicate this. Let me research this. Let me figure out how to say this in Spanish and communicate it with you later. So it makes you continue that relationship, you know, cause there are so many times where even if I'm using English, if I don't, feel like I connected well enough in a conversation, it's okay to go back a month down the road and say, hey, remember when we were talking about this? Let me let me re-talk about that with you. And I've got some things that I've been thinking about and praying on because I think a lot of times we live in a world where it's 
we have to communicate this now and we have to get our word across now. But sometimes I really do believe the Holy Spirit wants us to, to drag things out and to see things longer and deeper. So, yeah, that's a really good point because I've struggled with that over the years in English, you know, is because I'm a reflector and a processor. And so I can sit with someone and talk, or maybe they bring something, a concern to me or whatever. And then I process it and reflect on it. I'm like, man, why didn't I say this? Or why didn't I say that? And you, you do, you feel like you can't go back for some reason. I don't know what that is that stops us, you know, but we got to keep that bridge of communication going uh, so that we can work toward resolution. And I think that's such a, a major key in ministry. Yeah, definitely. All right. So tell us what's, what's your favorite piece about what you do? Hmm. My favorite piece is just all the different people that I get to meet. I have always been a relational person. And so just meeting so many different people, because not only do I get to meet the 8,000 children that are in our different programs, but I get to go into their homes and meet their different families. And then we have almost 24 short-term groups that come in. And so I get to meet all of those people. So when you keep using the word linked, I keep picturing my arms are linked with so many different people. And it just is a huge blessing to have that, to be able to, I mean, there are people in Florida, there are people in Texas, there are people everywhere that just through this year, I've been able to link arms with um, in ministry and in relationships, people that I know are praying for me, people that are supporting me financially, that I would have never met if I wouldn't have stepped out and taken the leap of faith to serve in Guatemala. And so just the relational part of meeting so many different people has been my favorite aspect of it. That's amazing. I love that. That's so true. While you're talking, I was thinking about that too with the linked because I love that divine connection, you know, when we, we travel a lot to you and that connection where it's like, you feel like, you know, someone, and in your mind, you're like thinking back to these different places, trying to figure it out. And you don't know them. You've never met them, but there's that divine familiarity and that divine connection right. through the Holy spirit yeah. where God has linked to you. So that's so amazing. I love that. All right. Now, what is your very favorite story about someone who's been deeply impacted by what you do? Can you share that with us? Yeah. I have more than one, right? <laughs> There's lots of them. But my favorite, just because it's um, very close to my heart, I actually sponsor a child um, through our program. And so this child has a disability. The child hasn't been diagnosed. His name is Pedro and he's about eight years old, but he's very small for his age um, because one of his legs is shorter than the other. And so he can't walk. So his body has not been growing like it normally would. But through this sponsorship, um, I have been able to visit this family several times and just been able to sit in their little adobe house and talk with them and communicate with them. And so one of my favorite memories from just this connection with this family was I went and visited them one day. And so I was sitting there and I was asking the mother, I said, what are your needs? I mean, what are the things that you want? And 
Pedro's brother, who actually my parents sponsor, spoke up and he said, I want a blue bike. So my parents were able to send money over to buy this young boy a bike. And then a few weeks later, I was working in the office back in Antigua. And I, one of the secretaries comes in and she brings me a piece of paper. And she says, this is from the mother of the child that you sponsor. And I looked at it and it's a little grocery list. And so she had taken the time to just write down her grocery list. Um, and she gave it to me, trusting that in our relationship and with my sponsorship, uh, that the Lord would provide for her. And so through that, I'm able to help this family out and just love on that little boy. Like um, a lot of people won't love on him over there because of his disability. And so just the fact mm -hmm. that I chose him because he had a disability, because I wanted to love someone with a disability like that, it's really shattered a lot of walls and barriers that are in that community and so that that's been one of my favorite memories is just seeing the different things happen within that connection with that sweet family i hear too in that which is amazing how god used that special education degree that you have you know to really be able to minister to him and get to connect with him that's awesome how he brought that full circle for you yeah I'm curious, I have to ask, because I've heard you bring it up a couple times, the adobe houses or adobe huts. What do those look like? Can you describe that to us? Yeah, so they're usually, it's a one room house and four walls made out of just mud. So what happens is the men there, they make these bricks out of mud and they create this house. And there's usually a space for a door and then like one or two windows. And um, the roots, usually depending on the family, sometimes they're made out of corn husks and sometimes they're made out of um, steel, like metal, metal sheets. Um, and so they're usually just one room houses. And so what we have to remember is that families over there are typically very large. So there are families that have 13 children, seven children, I mean, very large families living in these one room adobe houses. So, wow. So where do they all sleep on the floor? Yep. On the floor. They do. Yeah. They put down blankets or do they have a mat or something they sleep on? Yeah. If they have them, uh, they will. But if not, they'll just, they'll sleep right there on the floor. Some families, depending on what the father's job is and uh, how good their income is, they'll have beds or they might have two room adobe houses. It just depends on the income of the family. Okay. Now, what are some typical jobs for these fathers or husbands that what's a typical job that they would engage in? Mm -hmm. So up in the mountains, usually the fathers are farmers or they uh, create the adobe houses or construction workers lots of things like that. But also what a problem that we're running into that we're seeing uh, very present over there is that a lot of the fathers and even some of the brothers in the family, the younger men are moving illegally to the States. And so a lot of them are, they go to the States and they find a job and they're sending money back to the mother, the wife and the family. And she is getting the house taken care of, getting the kids to school if they can afford to send their kids to school. And then once there is enough money sent back, the father will come back to the home. 
Um, but a lot of times either the father will die in transit trying to get to the States or he abandons the family and never comes back and doesn't send money and the family never hears from them again. So it's, and then there's different things also with our, we see in our program in Guatemala city. So a lot of the fathers are doing construction or are working, cleaning schools and things like that. But a lot of them, because there's a lot of gang violence in the city, uh, we hear a lot about fathers passing away from the gang violence. So it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know tons about the culture, but I'm assuming there's not women don't work. And so they're really probably left with not a lot of options, having all these children and if their husband has died or abandoned them. Mm -hmm. And if the women do work, a lot of times they're doing, they're weavers. So they weave the typical clothes over there and then they'll sell it to someone to sell in the market closer to the city. But what I've seen that happens is uh, the women in the mountains are really taken advantage of in this aspect. So they might get paid 20 cues, what we call them quetzales, that's the money over there. So they'll get paid 20 cues for a blouse or a skirt that they weave. But then the person that buys it from them and pays them that 20 cues takes it into the market and sells it for almost 400 cues in the market. And so they're really being taken advantage of, and it takes a lot of hard work to weave those outfits. They're very detailed, and it takes a lot of time and uh, resources to create them. So that is something that we in the ministry that we have seen and we're trying to to get our hands in there and trying to help with things like that yeah yeah so I'm curious how much is 20 cues how much is that in American money right so you would divide by seven to get uh, the queue down to U.S. dollars so I think 100 cues is about 13 U.S. dollars Okay. All right. So probably they're about $2 and 50 cents. So they're sewing a dress and selling it for $2 and 50 cents. Very cheap. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I can see, you know, one of the hearts behind city taking is every community needs something different, you know, and I love how your ministry, Living Water Adopt a Child has really assess the needs of the community and actively trying to meet those needs. And so I can see how a feeding ministry would be so perfect because, of course, I'm thinking back of the Bible story about uh, Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, and they lost all the men in their family. And basically, you know, they're really in trouble. You know, it's hard for us to relate in America, but when you don't have a lot of options and you have 14 children looking at you, mm-hmm. I could see how a feeding ministry would really represent the hands and feet of Jesus. That's amazing. All right. Last question for you. I'm really curious, especially being in a different culture away from home. What has been the one key for you to really focus and accomplish your mission and even sharing how, how would you encourage other city takers? Yeah, uh, I love this question. Um, the Holy Spirit. I have learned over the past year that there are so many keys to taking a city and so many keys just to 
um, ministering to other people when we spend time with the Holy Spirit ministering to the Lord, just having that time one-on-one in the secret place with the Father and letting Him minister to us and speak into us and speak into our identity and who we truly are in Him and just loving on Him. And then that in turn overflows into our ministry. Because if I am not doing that one-on-one time with Him, I can't overflow. I can't do my ministry without first having that deep connection. And so I've really learned that. And for some reason, being over there has really made my secret place time just explode. I mean, it's completely different than it was when I was in college, partly just because I'm growing as a believer and I'm learning so many different things, but just learning to dance before the Lord and just to, to love on him and to worship him and to realize that that's what's most important aside from all of our ministry, aside from all of the help that we can do, understanding that that relationship with our father is most important and spending time with him before anything else. That's how I can be the biggest help is just by being so connected with the father and so connected with Holy Spirit, that everything else just comes easily. So, yes, I love that. I think desperation is the womb of intimacy for sure. And I love, you know, of course, this whole show is really about getting linked with the Holy Spirit and then getting linked with others. And we can focus on the gifts, but we don't focus a lot on that. What I like to focus more on is the fruit, you know, because love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, faithfulness. I think I missed that one, but you can never, that can never overflow out of your life if you're not spending, you know, amazing amount of time ministering to you and with the Holy Spirit. And I know in ministry, that's been a big key for me, And when I start getting edgy, you know how you can just feel that, like that edgy, irritable, it's like, okay, it's time to pull away and just take a day and let it be about me and him. So thank you so much. It was so amazing to hear your story and your journey. And I know we'll be checking back in with you here maybe in a few months next time you're home or however that will work just to hear what God's doing and 8,000 children are ministered to in your program. I heard you say that's that's an amazing impact. Mm -hmm. How can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, so we have a website. It's at www.adoptachild.com. And there are a lot of different ministries that are under that name. So you'll want to make sure you find the one that's under Living Water. You just might have to scroll down a little bit. But also if you want to connect with me personally, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and my name is Caitlin Lee. So you can follow me on there. I love to post pictures uh, of ministry just with kids that I get to meet and uh, all kinds of things like that. So Awesome. Awesome. I want to pray with you before we go today. Does that sound good? Yes, absolutely. Okay. God, I thank you so much for Caitlin and is here over her, Jeremiah 1, that even before you placed her in her mother's womb, you knew her intimately and you set her apart and you consecrated her as a prophet to the nations. And God, I pray for greater increases of your dunamis power in and through her, Lord, that 
everywhere her feet step, that literally the earth will shake in such a way that people are pointed directly to you and that your name is so glorified in every conversation, in every relational connection. I pray, Lord, for greater strength and greater dunamis power that when she sets her hand to the plow, what used to take two hands of pushing simply will take a small finger because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so I pray that you would hammer in behind and before, lay your hand upon her, be her shield and buckler and her great defender, her prince of peace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we are going to head on out for the day. I want to remind you to join us on areyoureal.org. John Fuller continues to release that weekly podcast, Are You Real Purpose? Until we meet again, remember to rest in his love, dance with great joy, and aspire to go higher each day. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Are You Real Linked and encourage you to visit areyoureal.org for more resources based on today's episode, as well as links to more Christian podcasts in our network and the inspiration to help you enkindle everyone around you. God bless and good day.